Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest tech news, products, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And in this episode, we're cozying up for some tech timber news announcements. We're going to be covering uh, what's new from the past couple of weeks, some news in the tech world, and you guessed it, what is next. We are going into a huge week from tech with events from Apple, DJI, Nikon, and OnePlus. Uh, so yeah, grab a warm beverage of your choice, Yep. cozy on up. Unless you're driving, then please pay attention to the road and the automobiles around you. We've got our Aperture MC set to fireplace, so even though we don't actually have a fireplace in our little studio here, feels like we're cozied up next to a fireplace. You know, get some piano lounge music on maybe. Wow, what else do you need to get cozy? I don't know. Maybe a blanket? Throw some fall leaves in your lap or something. (laughs) You can just imagine the next day. Have you seen The Office where it's that Halloween show and they cut to the decorations up and then the janitor just vacuuming them up? I imagine the leaves just getting vacuumed up the next day. Get rid of them. Fall is over. It's winter, you know. But until then, yeah, we're going uh, new tech picking and apple picking with some new Apple products, but let's start off with stuff we've actually seen that's come out since our last episode. First off, the big thing that we didn't actually put out a bonus episode for, but we did try doing a little live stream for it on our YouTube channel, was the Google event with the Pixel 5, the new Nest Audio product, and the Google Chromecast TV. These products looked really great from Google. Pixel 5 is actually out. It's shipping in Japan on October 15th, coming to eight other countries, including the United States, starting in early November. I oh, think. it's not really out. It's almost it's out. out in Japan, which is like everything's out in Japan. I guess. I, I guess like. it's true. Um, I think my pre-order shipping the 3rd or 4th of November. But yeah, I think... Well, you the, already have your hands on one. Oh, yeah. Even though you can't really talk much about it. Hashtag Team Pixel. I got one. Thank you to Google for sending that out. I'll be testing it out, and I'm super excited to share more soon Uh, But for now, uh, what were the other products? We had Nest Audio and Google Chromecast TV. I mean, what were the highlight features here? What what should people know about these devices? Well, the Nest Audio, I think, is one of Google's best arguments for actually, you know, getting the Google Assistant in your living space. Up until now, I've been primarily using the Amazon Alexa and the, you know, the Echo devices because their speakers were better for cheaper, you know. Google always had that the Hub Max, but that was, what, $300, $400, and it was huge. Whereas the Amazon Echo devices were, you know, the most expensive one was like $99, $130 maybe, and they sounded really good. And they were frequently on sale too. Oh yeah, always on sale for like discounted prices. Now with the new Nest Audio, it's actually getting great scores from a lot of tech reviewers, uh, mainly on the audio component, that it sounds good. And at only $99, that's a competitive pricing. Yeah, sure, you might still use the little Nest Minis, you know, to sprinkle throughout your home and help with the voice automation and stuff. But in the place where you're listening to music a lot, this can really serve as that speaker, I think. Yeah, I think this is a really compelling device. And what's unique is you can actually pair two Nest audio devices together to get stereo audio quality. So you can really enjoy the richness of your music in all your rooms throughout your home. The other product was the Chromecast TV. And Gabe, you said you were really excited about this because it came with a remote, right? Like an actual interface. Yeah, this was one of my biggest complaints. Up until now with the Chromecast, 
uh, system and devices. I thought, you know, like way back when I'm thinking like, you know, way back when seven whole years ago or so when Google launched the Chromecast originally, it was definitely a revolutionary device, but it kind of got stuck in the past and fell behind, you know, people like Apple or Roku who really had a, you know, and actually Amazon Fire TVs who had a really standalone UI on their TV devices, which is kind of, I think in today's world where we're wanting to do multi-device, you know, usability where it's like, all right, I'm using my smart TV, but I'm also browsing on my phone. The fact that you have to constantly Chromecast stuff and cast stuff from your device to your TV is just, it didn't, it didn't work anymore. And it was kind of becoming a hassle. It wasn't that fluid experience you were hoping for. Yeah. And I think Google really delivers on that with the new Chromecast with Google TV. One of the highlight features is it aggregates all your shows and movies so you can use Google Assistant to say, hey, play this TV show or play this movie. And Google will pull that show or movie from whatever service that you are subscribed to that has it. So it's an easy way to jump into your content without having to think about which app or service to yes, open up. I to will find point it. out that, you know, basically every other smart TV has this. You know, Apple, Roku, I think has something like this. Definitely the Fire TV. Uh, the really difference is how much integration they've gotten from the uh, side of like Netflix, HBO, uh, Spectrum, all the different, you know, content providers. Are they letting them actually unpackage their content and put it on the home screen and then grab it right from there? Or do you actually really need to still go into the app? I'm hoping eventually it'll just be, you know, they all let these devices just grab the content if you ask for it and serve it right up. But they, you know, HBO and Netflix and Hulu and like really like you to go into their app and feel like you're, you know, in their area, right? They want to control your experience rather than just, but if they're, if it's about the content, they should just provide the content. I don't know. I was a little let down with this by the fact that Stadia is not going to be supported right out of the box. Uh, it was, I don't, I honestly still don't really know why this is such a thing that, that Google did, but I, yeah, if you're, if you really are into Stadia, which not many other people are, um, then, you know, you're not going to rush out and get this right away. Maybe wait, wait till down the road. Yeah. We were actually discussing, interestingly, buying the Stadia controller, getting that starter package is the only way to get the old Chromecast Ultra That's 4K correct, yeah. device. They discontinued the Chromecast Ultra and now just have the regular Chromecast and the new Chromecast TV. So yeah, that was pretty much it what we saw from Google. Uh, overall, you know, it was kind of expected. Wasn't too wasn't really anything too big. I think we're still waiting on some Nest uh, thermostat devices and other smart home accessories like maybe the uh, Nest Home with the screen and the displays, so those devices. Um, but yeah, another quick sort of smart streaming device I wanted to throw in here was the Roku Stream Bar. This is a new product from Roku that basically bundles their streaming platform into uh, something like a Sonos soundbar for your TV. I think this is a great idea because not only do you suddenly get support for 4K HDR streaming content to your TV, but you also get improved audio quality. And audio quality is honestly a huge part of enjoying your shows. I think yeah. people don't pay enough attention to it, in my opinion. But when you get a really nice, rich audio setup for your home theater, uh, it just brings your content to life in a whole new way. I think it's really clever that Roku is doing this. So you don't necessarily need to buy just a stick or something. Because let's be real, most TVs are smart already. They already have everything built into them. 
uh, but now you get this added bonus of a nice smart soundbar. I th- I think this is a smart decision on them. They did have a like a previous kind of version of this that was a little bigger. So they already had this idea. It's not like this is the first gen product. And I think it's a great idea because, you know, what are the two things if you purchase a TV, what are the two purchases you're most likely to make? Most likely some sort of smart unless you get a smart TV that already has Roku built in, you're going to get some sort of smart TV. So you know, the Google Chromecast TV, uh, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, etc. And then you're probably going to get some sp- sort of speaker system, whether it's a full actual, you know, speaker system and like set up like that. Or what most people honestly who have smaller spaces opt for is just a soundbar because they're getting better and better. I mean, some of them even have Dolby Al- Atmos audio with like upward firing speakers and such. And yeah, for $129, this uh, kind of kills two birds with one stone, stone, so to be, or as Peter wants you to say, I think it's feed two birds with one scone because they <laughs> cut down on animal cruelty or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah, I think I want to emphasize the HDR support with HDR10 and the HLG standards. Like that's going to be great for enjoying your content on the newer HDR TVs. Um, I think we should move on here. We had a new product from Microsoft kind of slipped under the radar. Oh yeah, I did not see this at all. I think maybe it popped up on Best Buy's. Like homepage There's or like a new product, you know, yeah. check this out. Uh, so it's their Surface Pro 10 or Surface Pro X, Surface Pro 10. I feel like Microsoft is an X company. Yeah. The Roman numeral, it's a Roman numeral. Is it an X or a 10? For them, it's definitely an X. I, it's a 50 a, 50 shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, I would kind of compare this to, uh, I don't know, like a MacBook Air maybe. It's Microsoft's hybrid tablet laptop with a detachable keyboard. And what's new here is uh, they have a new processor. It's the SQ2 processor, which is actually an ARM-based chip. And all that means is the processor is optimized for mobile devices. Uh, And the devices are starting at $1,499. I think these can be great for students, honestly, anyone in a work environment looking for kind of a lighter, more portable laptop uh, that does have that tablet functionality. And because it is a huge glorious touchscreen uh, you can enjoy the surface pen with it and uh, that's a really great device for creators to draw or do other kinds of art content but yeah kind of a minor update in my opinion um i also look i'm reading here actually they unveiled another surface device which was the surface laptop go i think yeah i think and i remember reading that just that's their like budget friendly yeah 550 dollars this one uh, and this is actually the one that I saw pop up on Best Buy's site. They're really, it looks like they're pushing it because, you know, students are in school, maybe looking for a new laptop. Yeah, they're they're realizing, wait a minute, my home setup, it's not good. I need improvements. How do I make it better? Yeah. Boom, new laptop. And yeah, for five hundred fifty dollars, you know, it's really light. Um, it it gets thirteen hours battery life, fast charging support, which is eighty percent charge in one hour. Um, but it does has like a custom charger and it's not USB-C. So yeah, I think, I think, you know, it's a, it's a, a Microsoft laptop and it's in a smaller package, a little bit cheaper. Honestly, I do like their hardware. If I was going to kind of go with a windows device, yeah. I'd probably go directly. I think from Microsoft. the two routes are either build your own, like really nice PC or go and, you know, uh, actually make yourself, uh, I mean, I would just yeah, buy a buy. laptop or something from Microsoft. Um, and one last thing I want to tack on, and I think this is brilliant, the Surface Pro X 
includes a nano SIM port for gigabit LTE connectivity. That's huge. I think all laptops should have SIM card slots. Like instead of having to hotspot your phone and just crush your phone's battery, boom. Well, build not, LTE. well not, even, not even that. It's also you lose so much, I feel like, on the transfer over from the phone to... You yeah, know. yeah, that connection. You won't have to rely on that. And oftentimes dedicated or you don't have a lot of hotspot data with your plan. I noticed that as I uh, review cell phone plans. So being able to get a dedicated plan for the laptop or in some cases, just throw your SIM card on there and have it work as normal, that's huge. So I'd love to see that. Um, I think a little bit of extra news from Microsoft is they are bringing xCloud Gaming to iOS via the web. And I thought this was funny because we had Amazon's event and they were bringing Luna to iOS uh, via a basically what I'm imagining will be a progressive web app. And I feel like, my, I don't know what came first, but I think Microsoft saw that and was like, wait a minute, that's a good idea. Let's go ahead, steal that and implement it ourselves. And the reason Microsoft is doing this and the reason Amazon is doing this is because Apple poses or imposes a lot of restrictions on apps uh, deployed in their app store. And by using the Safari web browser and creating a progressive web app, Microsoft and Amazon are kind of able to skirt around these restrictions and provide their gaming experiences. So that is what we have kind of yeah. for our new I, I think I don't know. It's I, I'm still, you know, holding back judgment. What will this actually Honestly look the like? whole cloud streaming category, I feel like we just need to Oh, I think it's an I think it's an awesome thing, but I just as we've seen time and time again, yes, you can do cool progressive web apps. I've coded some with friends and it works, but really an app is like such a better experience for the user so i'm hoping what they do by this is demonstrate look apple look how many people we have playing you know uh our games on your devices what if we just stop doing that you know and kind of get some leverage to show apple look you you if you want people to keep buying your products you better start allowing us to support actually making the app for your product yeah i think that's an interesting idea i mean we've seen I think it was Microsoft partner heavily with Google because we saw them in the Google Pixel 5 announcement and I think Samsung uh, with the Samsung device announcement. So I'm not sure if people are really buying their phones right now for those gaming services and features, but I think you're absolutely right. Like once these companies can get some leverage, maybe we can find a way to all work together. I mean, we'll have to see what pans out with the Apple. Um, yeah, and it, it seems like they really should, uh, you know, look into, or there shouldn't be any competition, you know, look into why they're really, and look deep inside Apple and think, why are you really, you know, imposing these restrictions and stuff? Because are, you know, xCloud gaming and uh, what Luna, is that really going to hurt your bottom line for Apple Arcade? Like, they're not really in the console gaming and that, that more pro gaming area. They're in the mobile gaming. And I don't, I don't see a lot of crossover, if anything, like it's more people who are going to buy both versus deciding between one or the other. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And honestly, I think that's, you know, could be a great discussion is kind of talking about what the future landscape would look like and what better app policies would be. Yeah. Um, well, that's, yeah. that's for some other time because we are getting ready for a crazy week. And yeah, moving on to the news section, we had some Facebook news, right? Yes, yeah, so we had some Facebook news. I threw this in here. Basically, yeah. Uh, Facebook is launching their cross-platform messaging service 
It's kind of combining the Instagram and Facebook Messenger messaging services into one platform. Yeah. And I think the reason behind this is Mike or Facebook, excuse me, is seeing private messaging become a really uh, large growing area in online communication. And they wanted to, I mean, they own both of these platforms. They just want to combine them together to create a better messaging experience that's accessible to more people. I heard they also were going to try to integrate WhatsApp into it too. And Yep. I think that was, I think they announced this actually earlier at one of their events and they're kind of slowly rolling it out, it seems like. Um, But yeah, I think it's a great uh, feature that they're doing this. I mean... I kind of hate to say this, but I really like Facebook Messenger. Like, oh, everyone, everyone likes it. I'm not sure I like them all being rolled into one though, because I, you know, I like kind of the separation of oh, Instagram is maybe where I message, you know, people that I don't really know, right? Because it's kind of people who I follow or you know whatever people who follow me, and then like Facebook Messenger is kind of the more my friends or if you know I'm buying something from someone like Facebook Marketplace. Or now they've also pushed the pages into Facebook Messenger as well, possibly. So like, I don't know. I'm not completely sold on the more merging of Facebook and Instagram because I really don't use Facebook that much and I use Instagram a ton. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. And it should be mentioned that users will have the option to kind of opt out of these new features as they're rolling that's a out. Good move. Well, um, as they're rolling out and then eventually they'll just say, screw you. Yeah, I, they may flip a switch yep. at some point. I think it's hard to say, but I don't know. I've noticed like in my Instagram app, I have a primary messages area and a general messages area. Uh, what do you think of that? Like if they kind of had sort of inbox categories for who you're messaging? I, I still like the physical separation. Like I forget what the actual term is in design and like user experience for software. But having actual physical separation is, you know, like, okay, say you're sorting something, right? Yeah. If you put something all in the same drawer, but it's in separators versus, you know, something being in different drawers, you know, that there's a bit different thing. Or if like one's in one drawer across the room and one's in another drawer across the other side of the room, that's a physical separation. So like putting something in one app and then in another app is this, even though it's on your same device, and it's right next to each other. It's actually still physical separation for the human mind. Yeah, okay, and sure. And I think it helps people categorize it better. But also maybe it's a bit of a hindrance. And maybe putting it all into one is just a lot more fluid. And what, you know, what is this artificial separation we've put up between Facebook and Instagram? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, the Messenger application and the messaging features that has is, are just great in general. And I think it, it's going to be great to have them sort of migrated over to Instagram as well even if the messaging threads are in in different separate apps. Um, But yeah, those are some new features from Facebook. We had some new features from YouTube as well. Um, I don't know if you've been following this, but YouTube kind of rolls out features to, they select test, like groups of people to just beta test. I think it's random. Like some people just notice on their account one day, hey, I can do this and they'll post on Reddit or whatever. Now YouTube is letting YouTube premium subscribers um qa test new features so i think this is kind of exciting a good way for youtube to engage in the community and kind of let some i don't know if youtube premium members are more enthusiasts or more into youtube but i don't know if they're enthusiasts but i definitely say that they're heavier users so yeah if you want to if you want to choose like looking through the you know, like how much time people spend on the platform i would almost guarantee that premium users are on the top tier of how much time they spend 
and also the number of features they engage in. Like, you know, maybe the average user engages in, they like videos, they comment and stuff, but these premium users are the ones who are like creating playlists who are, you know, uh, maybe they're flagging content if they see it's wrong, or maybe they're commenting, replying back. Like they're really going through the whole platform and all the different features that are there. So that's an interesting thing that they're now letting people pay to uh, QA test. Is that how they're actually phrasing it though? Because, or is it just saying we'll be doing it more to our premium? I think, I think it's the second way where yeah. there's kind of they're QA testing and now they happen to be selecting members who are premium subscribers. Yeah, yeah, that's how I figured they would put it because I don't think they want to make it like, you know, oh, if you want to get the newest features, you know, pay to subscribe. I think it's more like, you know, we're going to be testing out new features on our premium member members because we know they're the ones who really like the platform and such. But yeah, that's that was pretty much it for the news kind of category. A little bit like their TikTok news, you know, still a little bit up in the air, looking like it's kind of quieted down. Trump hasn't said much about it since he's been sick. And, uh, yeah. Well, he's preoccupied with some other things right now. Yeah, well, we'll see where we end up, uh, you know, coming like end of the year or so. Yeah, but, so I would say grab a swig of your warm beverage of choice. Cozy yeah. on up because we're headed into a tech-filled week. Gabe, yep. what do we have lined up on the calendar for this week? So it's really, annoyingly, it's all packed into like, the two days of this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, the 13th and the 14th of October. Uh, first off, I mean, w let's just start with it because it's the one that everyone's going to be talking about. It's the one that, you know, when you see tech news uh, spreading into kind of mainstream on like CNN and CNBC and all, all these mainstream sites, you know it's a big event. And this is, of course, the Apple iPhone 12 event it's going to be live streaming tuesday at 1 p.m eastern time and actually we'll be live streaming at the same time we'll be streaming it along with our reactions so if you're free then and you know you want to uh tune in with us and you know react live and comment and ask us questions we'd love to have you we're also going to be doing a bonus episode too so don't worry we'll have a podcast up yeah, you can find well. us pinch to zoom podcast on youtube yeah i mean just literally search pinch to zoom podcast on youtube i'm not going to give you the, the URL to that. I think you know how to, most people know how to like just search stuff, right? Yeah, and interestingly, Apple will also be live streaming their event on YouTube. I think this is the second event they're gonna be doing on YouTube this year. I think that's a really interesting move from them. Previously, you had to basically own an Apple device and stream it on Safari, I believe. So they're kind of opened up, which is really exciting. And what I'm most excited about is, this is like after 12 months of Forbes, clickbait articles we are finally going to be able to put everything to rest i mean we'll, and see. we'll instantly start about next year yeah you know, okay iphone, iphone 13, 13 you won't has, believe maybe. this one feature iphone 13 has yeah uh, but yeah so what are we expecting to see uh, at this event i mean it's going to be iphone 12 yeah so obviously marquee feature or marquee products being launched are the iphone 12s it looks like there's going to be uh four different versions of them i think is what we're leaning forward, um, and you know, it's. I think they're saying that there will be a, what is it, a mini? They're calling. Yeah. It? So I think I've seen iPhone 12 Mini. Yeah. iPhone 12. Those are the sort of baseline entry level models. Yeah. Then there will be the iPhone 12 Pro. And the Pro Max. Correct. Yes. And it, the Pro versions are probably going to be launching later than the Mini and the regular iPhone 12. And it's still unclear at this point, though, 
what the kind of how features are going to be dispersed among these yeah I products mean, right you like, know apple has to create price points and different feature sets between the models to justify the upgrades in cost but how like how are they going to sprinkle out those features we have yet to see we're going to find out on tuesday yeah uh otherwise it looks like we will be seeing potentially the new home pods announced and then uh, like launched later maybe in november they'll actually go on sale and that, that will be, it looks like possibly a refreshed HomePod and then actually a mini version of the HomePod potentially. So like two models. And notably, we it looks like we possibly won't be seeing the uh, AirTags or what are they called? The, yeah, I believe uh, the yeah, Apple AirTags, Air I think that's correct. Those looks like they're delayed again. Are the the question is are these gonna follow the route of the air power? Air power, everything Apple names with air vanishes, vanishes into the air. Into thin air. It's almost like it never existed in the first place. I often wonder with some of these like rumors that just keep getting pushed back and then never really happen, if they're actually ever real products or if they're just kind of like testing the water to see how people react and respond yeah. to them. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and it also looks like that possibly the AirPods Studios won't uh, be featured in next week's Apple event. And these are, of course, uh, Apple's first, like, really their own branded over-ear headphones. Apple bought Beats, I think, a couple years ago at this point, and they were really happy to bring Beats Audio into their lineup, and it worked really well. I know when I bought my MacBook Pro, I got a free pair of Beats headphones. Um, And now it looks like Apple is taking their audio engineering knowledge and building that into their own brand with their apple over the ear studio headphones i think what i've seen is a mixed bag for this they could announce it on tuesday but we do know the manufacturing is delayed and that's going to push for more of a november release timeline and so it is possible you know apple did say at wwdc when they announced uh they're switching to apple silicon that we will have an apple laptop or excuse me an apple computer by the end of the year and they could use that computer as another opportunity to host a keynote event. And then at that event, possibly in November, go ahead and announce the new studio headphones at that time. Yeah, it looks like we'll probably see some version of a MacBook Pro or MacBook Air with the new Apple Silicon announced in November. And then, yeah, alongside maybe those AirPods studios, uh, and then they'll do kind of maybe a re-up and kind of like reminder about the HomePods maybe, and maybe some new accessories and such yeah it'll be an exciting event uh definitely like we said tune into our live stream but that will be tuesday that will be uh the 13th weeks just getting started Weeks just getting started also meanwhile this whole week the underlying thing for those two days is going to be amazon prime day you know usually that's in july on actually amazon's anniversary but because of the whole covid19 pandemic and such and the craziness that's been happening in this world they were like, let's just push it back. So, yeah, maybe people aren't going to be buying stuff when they're not earning money, unemployed. Well, I mean, and- it's still pretty bad. So they were just finally like, all right, we just want to make money. And let's just do it kind of a month early Black Friday type thing they're doing. And of course, because they're Amazon and they have such huge market value and market sway, all these other retailers have followed suit with doing big sales around this time. So you got Best Buy, you got what Walmart, I think, Target, all doing big sales uh, on similar days or around this time. And yeah, just what I'd say that I always remind people with Amazon Prime Day is not everything is a deal. You know, just because it's on sale doesn't mean you need to buy it or it's, a, you know, a deal for you. 
Uh, I would the thing I generally advise is go on, you know, the day before or so, browse through the stuff you really want, note the prices, and then go back on during the prime day or you know bookmark it or whatever, and you'll get notified if it goes on sale, and keep an eye on it because a lot of times they'll say stuff is on sale, but what they've actually done is just are showing a higher price than it's like really ever sold for and then showing you oh look it's on sale now but maybe it's just the same price you know if it's something's like usually fifty dollars and they're gonna say oh look it's actually was seventy five dollars and we've put it down to fifty four dollars now and no they've actually raised the price up a little bit and just are showing a higher price so be very careful about that there are tools out there i think that you can use that will show actually the historic price of an amazon product so definitely maybe install those google them uh, and put them in your chrome uh, extensions and such and keep an eye on you know all the tech websites i think are putting out constantly a stream of you know articles that have just have like the latest amazon prime deals because they all want to be sending you through their affiliate links and getting Absolutely. that sweet sweet it's, commission it's a crazy crazy system i mean honestly i feel like with amazon their algorithms are constantly changing prices all the time i mean i think what gabe said is perfect like bookmark the items you're interested in monitor their their prices uh, to really see if you are getting a deal like we want you to get a deal uh, but sometimes when an item is listed as a deal it is not necessarily the cheapest price it's been available yep. for yeah and i would the things to keep an eye on for deals of course are the smart home products especially amazon branded products those are the things they're going to be giving the biggest deals on they've already been giving deals on like their blink cameras and some echo devices but yeah, there'll be deals on the Fire HD tablets, the Fire streaming sticks. So if maybe you, the Kindles or the yeah. new Echo devices. They yeah, if you've too. had any of those on, you're like, huh, maybe I should get that for myself. Or even if you're already thinking Christmas, you know, it's uh, never too t- never too early to really start shopping for that. Potentially a good time to get some deals on that, though. It's be interesting to see which stuff gets deeper discounts um, on Black Friday. I'd imagine their new Echo devices would probably get deeper discounts Black Friday because they're about a month old or so then. I think that's so true. And with the smart technology, the speakers especially, it's a way for Amazon to get you into their ecosystem where, hey, I have this Echo device. All of a sudden getting Amazon Music makes a lot more sense. It provides a better experience. And so really they just want their products in your home so that your lifetime value as a customer goes up. You pay for yep. the subscription services and you continue. So yeah, I mean, if you're into shopping, keep your eyes out. Of course, there's going to be tons of other news. What else do we have in the queue for this week? So, so yeah, that's that we covered kind of that's Mondays. Two, Mondays Columbus day off. Day not really. It's actually Indigenous Peoples Day, so it's a day off. We get a break. Then we go into Tuesday with the Apple event, start of Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime Day two kicks off on Wednesday, and we have first off, we actually have the Nikon Z6 and Z7 Mark II being revealed right at uh 12 a.m like eastern so there's not gonna be any no some switch somewhere yeah, just getting flipped no glitz and glamour just go to bnh and he'll be up there with an article and prices and everything unfortunately it doesn't look like there's really gonna be much of an upgrade it's kind of more of a iteration and stuff like yeah i feel like if they're doing just an article post about it it's not the yeah. hype that you know we'd expect from more of a flagship camera. And yeah, that's a bit sad because we've really seen you know Canon and Sony throw down the gauntlet with their new mirrorless cameras. And Nikon is a still a huge player in the space. I think maybe they're pushing back for some new mirrorless cameras down the line rather than you know maybe it's a Z 
nine, I guess they'd go up and I'm not really sure where they go with numbers, but you know, a really an 8k type super megapixel one. We'll see maybe down the road, but yeah, these are basically going to be very similar to the current ones, you know, better autofocus, slightly faster speed. It looks like they will see a 4k 60 frame rate uh, mode coming in 2021 with a software update, but overall, you know, just a slight upgrade. Uh, if you have the previous, you know, the current, I guess now still uh, the C6 and Z7, probably not worth the upgrade, especially since they're going to be about 30% more expensive, it looks like. But if you really, you know, if, if you're a really heavy Nikon user, yeah, maybe you want the newest one, uh, then keep an eye on these. So yeah, those will be just a quick boop. That'll be up. Uh, the bigger one uh, will be the OnePlus event. Yeah, so like. we have OnePlus 8T being announced 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, this is going to be their new sort of flagship device. They do kind of every six yeah. months. I, a new I phone. just wait before. We, I think uh, OnePlus is kind of what is it? Is it masochism when you kind of like hate try to hurt yourself? Like you look for your own demise because this is the second year when they've tried to launch a smartphone like the same week and literally the day after Apple does. Yeah, I, you know. Honestly, with Prime Day and just all the tech news, I feel like OnePlus is going to get dwarfed. Like the the amount of people who are searching and interested in the new iPhones, the volume of that is going to be so much higher, which means there's going to be so much more of a monetization opportunity yeah. for the articles and well, blogs. And not don't even mention the fact that you know there's only so many tech people out there to report on stuff, and so. They're yeah, going to be their all resources. They're going to be spread yeah. thin. Like we got to get the Amazon Prime affiliate links out. We got to cover the new iPhones. Uh, yeah, yeah the poor so, little 8T will probably fall through the cracks. So this is where you'll likely hear the most about it. Uh, what is it looking like? We'll see with this new phone from OnePlus. Yeah, so we've already seen the design itself, oh, snap. and it basically looks like uh, honestly the Samsung Galaxy. I would say the S20 Plus is probably the best comparison at this point. It's got the OnePlus design aesthetic, that beautiful, awesome alert slider switch. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be packing a quad sensor camera bump on the back, Snapdragon 865 processor, which therefore means 5G support as well, and a 120 hertz screen. I think this might be a first for OnePlus. I believe their 8 was rocking a 90 hertz display. Uh, so now they're bumping it up to 120. I think 90 hertz personally is the sweet spot, that compromise between a little bit better battery life while still delivering that super smooth performance. Yeah. Um, I heard we're also going to see uh, or hear about, or I don't know what we're going to, what verb it is, but we're, uh, the new phones are going to have 65 watt fast charging, supposedly. I, I believe it. OnePlus is really into that. Although yeah. I was just watching a video earlier today that fast charging isn't necessarily great for the longevity of your oh, phone. Oh, no, it's definitely because it tanks your, yeah, there's no way that's lifespan. good for your phone, but. If you're just if you can replace the battery easily, why not enjoy fast charging? I guess this is true. Is the battery easily replaceable? Probably not yeah. on newer phones. I think that's an interesting discussion though, like fast charging or wireless charging. I think we can go. No, but this is this is uh is this no, this isn't what fast wireless charging, sorry. That's what maybe eventually one day we'll get to is fast wireless charging. Well, OnePlus did that. They do have that as well. Yes. They're yeah. all over the place. Yeah. They're they're ready to cook you up some eggs with the heat they're pumping out with their charging technology. But yeah, I think this phone will be a great phone. It will also go under the radar. Um, but, you know, I think your favorite tech YouTubers are probably going to check it out. They'll get early hands-on and stuff. Maybe, it but it, be... they're going to be talking about that. Like, it's going to 
maybe next week you'll hear more about it like a week after people kind of start talking about it or when it starts shipping yeah we'll see i mean i imagine these reviewers are slammed too because the way apple works is the event's gonna be tuesday and i think historically pre-orders are on friday and i think friday is when we first see uh the videos pop up we get unboxings and hands-on and then i think next week monday or something we get uh the reviews so if you know all these tech YouTubers are focusing on the new iPhones, which of course are going to explode in popularity and drive the views up, um, you know they may not have time for OnePlus 18 in their schedule if they have those early units. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a good phone. It's going to be under the radar. That is, we're still only on Wednesday, so that's Wednesday at 10. Uh, but there's actually another event people could be tuning into, right, Gabe? Well, I don't actually know if this is actually going to be an event. And it's a little bit, you know, possibly a bit of a tease and kind of DJI using the hype for their upcoming products to launch something that I... Okay, so basically to explain, we know DJI is going to be launching two new gimbals this month, most likely. Uh, This will be the Ronin S2 and the SC2. We had them leaked on Best Buy when Best Buy Canada accidentally hit publish on the pages. And we saw that the S2 was going to be around $800. The SC2 would be around $400 to $450. So maybe a little cheaper. And yeah, we saw that those those are out there. We saw photos. Like pretty much almost everything is known about these except for like the polished uh, like feature list and pictures that make them look so good. And so DJI already has pushed back the launch of these once from September. And people are really excited about it because you don't get gimbal updates often. So when we saw this announcement come out, it looks like, you know, October 14th. And a lot of people, including myself, were like, all right, this is the gimbal's coming. But a little closer inspection on that little release would reveal that it's actually an enterprise event, which doesn't necessarily mean that this won't be the gimbals. But usually the gimbals like the Ronin S2 uh, and especially the SC2 are launched more under their consumer brand, the regular DJI brand, rather than their enterprise division. So I'm guessing that this thing here is going to be either one of their new Agris, uh, you know, commercial drones for like spraying fields and stuff and for farming applications, or potentially maybe a new M300 or some new um, transmission device basically for those uh, drones because the tagline is like clarity or something like that. I forget what it is. So yeah. I, I imagine that it would be the, you know, some something that's not too interesting to the general public. It will be super awesome tech devices or drone device. So if you're interested in that and like DJI, definitely go check out the website around, you know, 10 or 11 uh, in the morning on the 14th, you know, when you're doing all your checking other new tech stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little, little bit of a disappointment, but still it's another new tech event uh, and tech device yeah. coming out this week. And I honestly think that's going to be it. So we have just a super packed Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, is there anything else we're missing? Any other tech? Pro- I mean, no, I feel like I'm going to be winded after this. That's pretty much it. We will. I mean, DJI, like I said, DJI, we will see some other device come out from them later this month. I'm trying to think what other companies we'll see launching. You know, who haven't we heard from really? The only one I can think of that stands out is really kind of Panasonic. We're still really waiting for GH5 or GH6. An answer. Someone's got to make an answer to the A7S3 before everyone goes out and buys it. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, I have got my A7S3. It has arrived. Unfortunately, I can't use all the super fast 
you know, new frame rates and resolutions because I don't have the CF Express Type A card from Sony yet. Still waiting on that, but the overall user experience and redesign of the body is almost, I won't say it's worth the price because $3,500 is still a lot of money, but it definitely, you know, just even without all those new awesome frame rates and resolution modes for recording, it is a really great camera user-wise. And if you have an A7S II or even like one of those really older cameras and you haven't jumped to the newer A7 III or even A7, I guess if you have an R series, uh, you wouldn't really be looking at this. But maybe if you have an A6500 or 6400 and yeah, you want to go full frame, the A7S III is a great, great camera. Not maybe the best for photographers because that only 12 megapixels. A little light in today's world, but for video... Really, you can't go wrong with this camera. Uh, yeah, they yeah, knocked I, out. I, I I wish I could offer some great criticism and you know he's just gushing. Gabe has been waiting so long for this. They've it's really they've here. really done a very good job with it. And yeah, you can always pick apart any camera, but comparing it to other cameras, this is a great one and is definitely the best Sony camera out there for video right now. Yeah, so that's gonna be it for this episode of the Pinch to Zoom podcast. We hope you enjoyed, and you know clink our warm beverage glasses from a safe socially distance away and um yeah you can tell we have a very full week ahead of us be sure to get subscribed on our youtube channel to stay tuned for our bonus event we'll be live streaming the apple keynote on tuesday follow us pinch to zoom pod on twitter at pinch to zoom podcast on instagram i'm stetson i'm gabe and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode well actually on tuesday that will be the next bonus episode and the you know what we always look forward to talking to you anyway i think it's gonna be really exciting um and then i think honestly all right do you understand that this is like i have 15 seconds to put something in here (laughs) at the end and you know if you're then i just keep elaborating like a 20 minute tangent (laughs) that doesn't work for me okay i think the iphone Uh, okay (laughs) you apparently did not get that message